Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2007. This is Joe talking about Step 5. Hey everyone, I'm Joe, I'm an alcoholic. And uh, thanks to Greg, I have the graveyard shift. And um, Step 5. Admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. And when I first saw that step, I was kind of excited because um, what I thought it meant was tell anyone who will listen every bad thing I ever did. And I was pretty good about talking about myself. I would talk about myself until the cows came home. I would uh, emotionally bleed over everyone. I would emotionally bleed at weddings. You know, a supposedly happy day for a bride and groom, and I'd be in the corner howling that nobody loved me like he loved her. (laughs) And uh, getting my comfort usually from someone else's husband. (laughs) And I'd be crying and emotionally bleeding at funerals as well. And uh, I wanted to die too. Oh, it's so funny that I'm here because I want to die as well. It was always about me, and I used to think it was uh, endearing. But now I look back, I think it was probably relentlessly egotistical. And um, when my sponsor first explained to me what step five actually meant, it was quite a different story. He said to me, this is where we tell another person all about ourselves and we let God listen. That was a different, that was quite different. That was a different prospect because I'd never told anyone else, any one person, all about myself. My life was very compartmentalized. Like it says in interaction, more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He's very much the actor. And that was me. I only told you what I thought you needed to know. And when I got married myself, when I was drinking, it was a huge shock to me when everyone suddenly came together on the same day and got to compare notes. It was hideous. I was hideously uncomfortable, and I drank. And I remember taking step three with my sponsor in a church, actually. I don't know why I took it in church. I wasn't religious, but... um, We went to a church near his home, we knelt down, and he said, uh, okay, this is where we say the step three prayer. And I said, I can't say that. I can't say that in front of you. It's too intimate. And he kind of leaned over and he said, love, if I'm going to hear your fifth step. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, good point, and I launched into it. And I had reservations, because to me, this idea of... It was like confession. You know, like I say, I wasn't religious. Religion kind of made me uncomfortable, and it just seemed to me a little bit too much like confession. And my sponsor pointed out that there were really good reasons why I should do a step five. And uh, he said, like it says in interaction, we will be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. The best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. And I didn't want to drink again. I really didn't. 
And at my very first meeting, you know, in London, I remember an Irish woman bounding over to me saying, you're as sick as your secrets. And (laughs) at that time, I didn't know really what she meant. But when it came to step five, I I think I knew what she meant. And although I was hesitant, I was willing because I didn't want to drink again. And I don't know if not working as step five means you drink again. But what I can tell you is I've taken a lot of women through steps one to three and a lot fewer through steps four to five because they've drunk again. You know, you do the math. I don't know. And, um, you know, we heard before the break earlier, before afternoon tea, about what the fourth step is. And that was really clear for me. That was really clear. That set it out. You know, the big book sets it out for me in column format how I write my inventories. And the big book gives me clear directions, too, about what step five is. And it says, uh, we have a written inventory and we're prepared for a long talk. And step five is where I read out my inventories that I've made in step four. So that was my resentments my fears, my sex conduct, and my harm's done for those little bits and pieces that I couldn't, couldn't figure out where they went, you know, like stealing from employers. There was no resentment, no fear, stuff like that. And I read them out. I was to read them out to my sponsor. And um, that was who I chose to hear my fifth step, you know. The big book says we can choose someone else. We can choose a minister from our religion or a close-mouthed friend or a psychiatrist. And I chose my sponsor, who, who was a man, um, which is not suggested. But at that time, you know, Miles was talking about it last night. I, I wanted to be taken through the big book of AA, through the 12 steps of AA as it's laid out. I kind of, at the time, I, I, you know, I didn't want a feel the fear and do it anyway, honour the goddess inside of you, recovery. I just wanted meat and potatoes AA. And I asked this, you know, old-timer, John I, who had 20 years of sobriety, if he'd do that. And he was an incredible, still is, an incredible man of such wisdom and spirit. And I learned such a lot from him. And I knew I'd be safe. And, um, you know, it says, uh, we have a long talk. And what it looked like for me is that uh, I went to his home, you know, for four separate sessions. And they were full days. They were like seven hours each. And that was a long talk. I don't know how long anyone else's step five lasts. It doesn't matter. You know, if you've gone into partnership with God in step three and you've prayed before you've done your step four writing, you can trust that whatever is, is meant to come up has come up. And if it doesn't come up this time, maybe it'll come up another time. But I was one of those people, David, who uh, I had my swimming teacher from when I was nine, you know, because he didn't put me in the relay team. It went right back, you know. (laughs) I was so scared that if I wasn't fearless and searching and thorough that I would drink again. And I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I had pages. And I took those pages to John's John's house and um, he made a very special, quiet, safe, private place for me to read that out to him. You know, he turned the phone off. The phone was off. He, uh, he cleared his whole day of distractions, and he asked me to do the same. I'll always remember traveling over there in a taxi up Notting Hill Gate. Really, really 
Like, what am I letting myself in for here? Because there were things that I'd never told another human being. I had a list, things I'm not going to tell John. (laughs) Things which I really did believe I would take to the grave with me. And when I arrived, and after we'd had a cup of tea and got settled, we got on our knees and we prayed. We invited God in because it is a spiritual experience. It's not intellectual or a psychological exercise. And he said, this is your time and this is your story. And I pray that God gives you courage and God gives you honesty to reveal yourself completely leaving nothing out. And I started to read. And, uh, you know, it was long. It was long. It says the exact nature of our wrongs. And, uh, you know, using a dictionary was mentioned earlier. I'm a big fan of dictionary. And I looked up nature, and I learned that it came from the Latin to be born. That made sense to me. This is not, you know, a list of every bad thing I ever did. This is my attempt to understand why were my wrongs born? Why did I do what I did? How did I get to where I am? That's what I need to understand. I need to understand the... um, the flaws in my makeup which caused my failure, the things in myself which had been blocking me, the decisions that I took at some time in the past which later placed me in a position to be hurt. I needed to understand all of that to have a chance of uh, letting it go. And we read, we read across the columns. John would... Um, sometimes be quiet and sometimes nod and sometimes interject with his direct comment and counsel. That's what step uh, five says in the 12 and 12. I know there are some people who have their sponsor be simply a witness to the story, but that isn't how I did it. Ten minutes remaining. That isn't how I did it. And I'm really grateful for his input because my version of the truth was one version of the truth. And by sharing my whole life story with uh, another alcoholic, not a professional, but a peer, another drunk who was a bit further down the line, someone with whom I was sharing, as it says in the big book, shoulder to shoulder, the common journey, was an incredible spiritual experience. And um, I don't know why that is. You know, I had talked often about my past. I talked in therapy. That was one of the reasons. You know, I, well, I've talked, a lot, I mean, I've talked a lot about this stuff. I've talked a lot about this stuff. I probably don't need to do a step five. Step five is not therapy. I'm not dissing therapy. I got a lot out of that process, but it is a parallel process to the steps. Therapy did not give me a spiritual awakening, and nor was it intended to. It gave me an ability to understand the problem better, to name the problem better. You know, oh, you're a codependent, those are abandonment issues, but it didn't give me a spiritual awakening. And something happened in that small room of of John Eyes that day, those days, as I read those words out to him, which was astonishing. You know, we, we, we started with my mother. I had so many resentments against my mother. I was angry. I was furiously writing, furiously writing what this woman had done to me. 
And, you know, she did some bad things, let me tell you. And I walked into his room that morning clenched and tight with anger and resentment at how she had let me down as a mother. And by reading those words out to him from my columns, it took four hours, my mother alone took four hours. But when we'd finished, I dropped the pages and I burst into tears because for the first time, I was not an angry child. I was uh, an adult woman looking eye to eye with her, another adult woman. In fact, eye to eye with another woman alcoholic, as it turns out in the case of my mother. And, um, you know, that's a spiritual experience. That's what it says in the appendix. Appendix 2, spiritual experience. A vast change in feeling and outlook. A profound alteration in reaction to life. When I was drinking, I used to call up my mother in blackout to scream at her and call her names. Vile names. And at the end of my step five, I felt like I actually might be willing to let all that go. It was astonishing, and I even shared with John the <laughs> the stuff that was on the list, the things I'm not going to share. John, this was something that happened when I was 17, working as an au pair in Germany, and you know I won't share it from the floor, but I was convinced I would take that to my grave. And after I shared that with him, we both cried. We both cried, and. Um, I'm just going to read out the step five promises. We pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past, including the ones that happened when we were 17 in Germany that we think we'll never tell another human being. <laughs> Once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. I remember leaving his flat late that night and uh, going home. And another friend from AA met me, met me at home. And uh, she said, you look like you've had a facelift. <laughs> and I had. You know, I, I could look the world in the eye. I can't say I could be alone at perfect peace and ease, but I could be alone for the first time. All through my 20s and a lot of my 30s, I drank because I couldn't stand to be with myself. I couldn't stand it. And suddenly I felt that that might be a possibility. And I did begin to feel the nearness of my creator. You know, like David said, this is, this is the beginning of the spiritual experience. Step three is the decision. But this is the beginning of the spiritual experience. 
and it's a resting place. It says, returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, reviewing carefully what we have done. It doesn't say quiet for you know, several months, but we thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Taking the book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps, carefully reading the first five proposals to ask, we ask if we have omitted anything, for we'll build, we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? And it says in the 12 and 12 about step five that it's a resting place where we may prepare ourselves for the following steps toward a full and meaningful sobriety. This is where the journey really begins. And since taking that, that first fifth step and, and others subsequently, it's the beginning. It's just the beginning of a lifetime process for me, you know. It doesn't end with that first one. I've had the privilege of taking other women through that step also, hearing their stories, seeing the fear in their eyes as they come with their sheets of paper just like I did, and heavy of heart and feeling like they can't possibly tell anyone all these things. And I listen to them, and I try and model myself on that, that experience that I had. You know, I pray for, for no judgment. I pray for a, a listening ear and a compassionate heart. And I watch them have that spiritual facelift that Debbie saw in me. And... I read this uh, description of step five, which was the most beautiful description I'd ever heard. Two minutes remaining. I thought I'd written it down uh, to bring with me. Thanks. I knew I wouldn't remember it. Time stood still, and I met another human being in the deepest inner sanctuary of my soul where no one had ever been before. Blows me away that we get all this for free. And, you know, I don't want to preempt tomorrow, but like I say, this is the beginning of the journey. You know, what Step 5 did is it enabled me to see the patterns. Like it says, the flaws in my makeup which caused my failure. And all the time I was drinking, I'd felt trapped. And I was trapped in my own hell, which I think only another alcoholic can know. Step five, you know, with the help of God and my sponsor, gave me a picture of what those bars looked like. The bars that were keeping me prisoner. But the central point is not to study the bars, but to break free. And that only happens in the sixth and seventh step. One minute remaining. <laughs> like it says in the 12 and 12. The objective look at ourselves we achieved in step four was after all only a look. And then, no though now recognized, our defects were still there. 
Something had to be done about them. And we soon found that we could not wish or will them away by ourselves. We're not supposed to. Once we've got that clarity and understanding from step five, we move into step six and seven. We become willing to let all that go and we become willing to change and, uh, like it says, to prepare ourselves for the full and meaningful sobriety that lies ahead. And I think we're officially in resentment time. Time's up. So thanks for letting me share, and I look forward to going through six and seven tomorrow. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting me share.